0: Father, we thank you for your greatness and your awesomeness. I stand before your people to deliver your word. I stand completely healed. (laughs) Um, Based on 1 Peter 2.24, Matthew 8.17, Galatians 3.13, Isaiah 53, Acts 10.38, Lord, I stand complete. Um, Colossians tells me that I am complete in Christ and I thank you that I am complete. Thank you for healing me, sustaining me, Father. And God, I thank you for blessing your people. And Father, I pray that there'll be nothing that will hinder your word from them receiving your word. And I thank you that this music or whatever it is, it has to cease now in Jesus' name. I thank you. We have what we say and we speak to this mountain and we say cease in Jesus' name. You will not hinder God's people from hearing the word of God that is able to save their souls. And God, I pray you grant unto me your son and your slave. Um, It's an honor to be your slave, Father. It is an honor. Even as Paul says, I'm a bond servant of Christ. And I thank you, Father, that, Lord, I yield to the master. I say, anoint my mind afresh. Think through my mind. Speak through my clay of lips. My lips are clay, and Father, I pray for supernatural utterance that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. I pray that you would use me for your glory and grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe? I thank you for giving them understanding, even this day, even though they've heard the Christmas message a hundred times or more. I pray that you would bring understanding, bring revelation, illumination. I pray that, Lord, we will not take this from granted this season, for Jesus is the reason for not only this season but for every season. Oh, that all things were created by him and for him. According to Colossians chapter one, I thank you that we do worship the Christ, the living Savior. And I thank you, Father, um, that you have called us to fellowship with your son. I thank you that we have sweet communion with him. I thank you for this incarnation uh, that you came down and wrapped yourself in flesh to save us so that we can be eternally with you forever. The eternal son lives forever. I thank you that he's at the right hand of the father, ever lives to make intercession for us, his saints. And I thank you that we are God's, we are your own possessions. And I thank you for what you're doing at Kingdom Living Ministries, for this is a new day and a new season for us, that we will be strengthened in our faith, that we may continue to share this gospel. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll train us to evangelize, train us to, To win the loss. And Father, may we not forget our vision and our mission to prepare people for eternity and to make disciples. And God, I pray that as we understand you and get to know you better, I pray that we will not keep it to ourselves. I pray that your word will burn in our hearts like like fire, like Jeremiah said. And that we may spread this gospel to everyone that will listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's time to witness, folks. It's time to evangelize. Don't, don't sleep on evangelism. And I think we fail in many ways to uh, prepare you, but we're gonna look at some things in the new year to kind of equip you a little bit better to witness. People are dying and we have no time to waste to witness to people and to share this good news. As always, we're gonna fast during um, January. Um, this is the, um, the Daniel Fast. So you can pass that out. That's what we used last year. So you can go ahead and get your money together and start buying the food that you need to fast. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I didn't want, want y'all to leave, and, and then come January, you're not ready. <laughs> well, We didn't know. <laughs> all right, so the greatest gift of all. We see iTunes right there jumping up. <laughs> iTunes was like, yes, Lord. Shout Um, The greatest gift of all times is Christ. He is the greatest gift. God's gift to the world is his son, Jesus. Amen. Um, We know from John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, I'm a whosoever. What about you? That whosoever believes in him, notice it didn't say, let's go over there, notice it didn't say whosoever believed that he existed. So it's not enough to just believe that God exists, but you got to believe in him. John chapter 3 verse 16, let's go get your Bibles. I know you know this by memory from a little kid, right? You you learned this in Sunday school, but let's take a look at it. John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16, when you got to say amen. 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 I, I, heard, I heard three amens. <laughs> so that makes the rest of y'all struggling. <laughs> John chapter 3, verse 16. That's the fourth book in the New Testament. All right, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world. Um, I, that, that's just amazing to me that He really loved this world. I mean, really the people of the world, um, that he gave his only son. um, In Greek, it means his only unique son or his his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Notice the gift is for the world, and anybody who believes in him That means you believe that he, his existence, you believe in his works, you believe in his sayings, you believe in his resurrection, you believe in his intercession, you believe in his sinning of the spirit, you believe in his second return, you believe in the reign of Christ. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish. The word perish means to be void or to be without. And so people are perishing because they have not believed in Jesus. I was talking to a young man the other day and he, he wants to get together and he, he's convinced that Jesus was just our example. And, and what a tragedy that is, just to only believe that Jesus is our example. And he challenged the ideal of worshiping Jesus. And I said, well, we're going to have to talk about this because you're, you know, it's not correct. You have the wrong concept of who Jesus is. And when Jesus came on the scene, he brought light and life. And he came to destroy the works of the enemy and he came to reveal the father. So this scripture tells us for God so loved us. If you ever in doubt of the love of God, just look at the cross. Sometimes we look at the love of God. We want to feel these nice fuzzy feelings, you know? Oh, he loves me. Well, how do you know he loves you? Because you got a fuzzy feeling. No, he loves you because he sent Jesus for you on the cross. So whenever you're in doubt of the love of God, look at the cross. That's where love and justice met and, uh, and mercy, and God provided mercy for his son. Now, uh, it's through that that he has drawn us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, it says that, I believe chapter verse 10, it says, for God has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus. So you and I need to get to know Jesus more. This is the reason for this season, as well as every season, that Jesus Christ is the reason why we exist. God so loved the world that he gave. So love is an action. You know, God could have just said from heaven, I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. I love you, love you, love you. He didn't do that. He gave. There was action behind it. it. Love is corresponding action. If you love the Lord, you'll obey him. <laughs> you, you know, you love your neighbor, you'll do something for them. You, you'll produce some good works for them. And so we are not to, um, we are to take the example that God is love that he gave. He gave not just an angel. He could have gave an angel, chose to redeem the world through an angel. But well, he gave his only son, the eternal son, the son that, began, that's, that was in the beginning with him. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so this fellowship that the Father and the Son and the Spirit had in the beginning, and together they made a decision, <coughs> a corporate decision, to send the Son. The Son says, I'll go and do it. Whatever God wanted to do on the earth, He was going to do it through His Son. You know, God meets our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, he, does it think, he does all things through his son. Jesus is the express image of the son of God. And we can, we, if you want to see the will of God in action, just look at Jesus. Jesus is God's will in action. And so here it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only unique son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him believes in him you got to believe in Jesus and that belief in Jesus will affect the way you live it's not just a mental assent that you mentally agree that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he you know we can see through the gospels but we actually allow that faith to affect the way that we live that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life I thank God that we have eternal life this morning we're not going to get it if you don't have eternal life now you're not going to get it later unless you repent and believe in jesus so our goal we're we're to we're to preach jesus to people and help them to see their need to believe in jesus just don't believe just don't preach that he existed um, historical Jesus is real. I mean, you can go back in the history books and see that Jesus is real. But the Jesus of the Bible is what we need to preach in order for them to believe in him, have faith, cling in him. The word faith in the Greek means to, to have faith or uh, to have a persuasion or a conviction that God saved you in Christ. Amen. And then verse 17, you can't read, 16 without dealing with 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world may be saved through him notice this that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world he, he didn't come just just say oh you're you're, you're condemned to hell only but he, he came so that the world may receive eternal life and be saved saved from what i'm glad you asked matthew chapter 1 tells us one of the main reasons he came. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, I mean 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So one of the reasons why Jesus came, so that we can be saved from our sins. The greatest gift of all time is Christ. All times is Christ. That we're to believe in him and not to perish. Perishing is a serious thing. There are a lot of people who are perishing, but thank God we have eternal life. The real meaning of Christmas is a celebration of Christ. It's, It's him coming to the earth to save his people from their sins and to bring life, and not just any kind of life, but in the Greek, the God kind of life, which is zoe, the God kind of life to humanity. Christmas isn't about giving and receiving. It's okay to give and receive, you know, so get your presents together and give and receive and be happy and rejoice and eat some good food, But, but (laughs) but don't just let that stop there. Take some opportunities to share the real reason for this season and every season. It's about the Lord entering into the world to bring the fullness of salvation, the fullness of salvation, the totality of salvation to all who believe on him and in him. Notice I said the fullness of salvation. Mm -hmm. So when you realize that Christ has come to bring you his best, then you will do, you will no longer live as peasants, but as a child of God. Christ came to give us the Spirit on the inside so we can have forever fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Christ came to earth to deal with sin and its ugly offsprings. Christ came to deal with the, the effects of the fall we, we know our salvation is not complete. You do realize that, right? We, one day our salvation will be complete. We're going to receive new bodies. So Christ came to give us new bodies. One day we're going to have new bodies. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we're going to have brand new bodies. Uh, when, we, when we see him as he is, in a moment we'll be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, just like that. Brand new bodies. Whew. But... He came to deal with sin. The sin problem has already been dealt with. Do you believe that? Christ dealt with sin. Full hand. Let's talk about the offsprings a little bit. The offsprings of sin. One is spiritual death. Spiritual death. Separation from God. That's what death means. Separation from God. Spiritual death. That, that we are no longer separated or alienated from the life of God. And we see that from Ephesians chapter 2. That no longer are we separated from God. We're not away from him. Because, you know, sin separates us from God. Come on, y'all know that. Um, it, it causes division. It causes beef. It causes wrath. And so Christ came to give us eternal life, everlasting life, so that no longer we could be... We don't have to be spiritually dead. At one point, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Christ made us alive. God has made us alive together with Christ. Also, another offspring of sin is sickness and disease. Sickness and disease. Now, some are part of the body of Christ. They they ignore this part. They, They say they believe it. It's amazing that they'll write books about it and say healing is provided for us in the atonement, the atoning work of Christ, but yet they say, well, God heals sometimes. And it's just like saying, well, God forgives sins sometimes. I I, I think that 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 it is throughout scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, as you will see, because you read the Bible this year, or we'll begin to read it next year and you'll see that God never deals, never, that God is, is a, a, a healer. That, that's, we were singing, I worship you for who you are. And I was over there in the corner of worshiping God for being a healer. I thank God that he's a healer. Um, sickness and disease, they don't glorify God. I mean, there's, there's no glory that comes out of that. I, I, I was sick in the last two and a half weeks and it was miserable, it was hell on earth. i was just like, Lord, I can't imagine people who struggle with cancer or going through that. And it's like, this is not a life to live. And we can even see healing in the ministry of Jesus. If God put sickness on people, then why would Jesus go around and undo the work of God? Just something for you to think about. Um, I'm I'm passionate about it because I was sick two and a half weeks. I hate sickness. Like I've never hated it before. I'm, I'm on. I'm on a, I mean, a vengeance against sickness and disease. It, it it is not God's will. I mean, it it is the result of the curse. And and you can see in the Old Testament, God promised long life and healing and Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name, who forgets not all His benefits, who. Healeth, who forgiveth our iniquity and healeth our, all their diseases. Amen. Um, you know, in Exodus, he revealed himself as, I am the Lord that healeth. I thank God that he's a healer. Thank God for giving wisdom to men and women to be doctors and nurses. And so they're, they're, they're working with God, not against God. Did y'all hear me? They, they are God's instruments. Many Christians would be dead and gone if it wasn't for the nurses and doctors and men that God has given them wisdom in studying the human body and diseases and sickness. And so if God was against that, then we would not have any doctors. All right. And then another offspring is poverty, poverty. I, I want to just show you that the death, the coming of Christ was not only to deal with the sin problem, but also the offspring and poverty is a curse. Not having enough to take care of your family, um, you think about people in poverty it, it, it's, it's it's a curse it's it's not being able to do what you need to do um, people who who ascribe to the poverty theology, just tell them to stop working. You know don't work. you don't believe God wants you to be well taken care of. don't work. just just live in. You know, don't, don't look for nice things. And we, and we see this throughout the scripture that God enables his people to be prosperous. Amen. People hate the word prosperity because, some, because there has been abuses in this. But that doesn't negate that it's, it's, it's God's will for us to prosper. He wants us to be well taken care of to a place that we'll be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. You should have a vision to be a blessing to somebody else. Imagine you're able to pay out somebody else's house. Oh God! Yeah. Go bless somebody with a car. I remember one time I was believing God for a car. I was carless. And I was confessing the word and trusting God. And um, somebody in my church didn't know what I was believing for. They didn't even know if I had a car or not. And they felt impressed with the Lord to give me a car. They gave me a car. I think that, that that made me rejoice. <laughs> I remember uh, my former church, they one year they gave two single mothers cars paid for brand new, I believe it's brand new. And, and, and they paid for the insurance for the whole year. I, I think that's the way we should live as believers, looking for ways to be a blessing. Let's talk about another offspring, fear. Mm. Fear is the offspring. Fear to not do what God has called you to do. Fear of people. The opinions of people got you trapped. And Jesus came to set you free from the opinions of other people. So that you can do what God calls you to do. You can confront the devil head on. I know a lot of churches are are during this time uh, of our society really manifesting what they already always believed. Uh, as as it relates to the same-sex marriages, uh, many churches are, 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 they're drawn back, they're afraid. Uh But we're not to be afraid in this time. If they send us to jail, so be it, we'll have prison ministry, amen? Uh, Everybody got quiet. I don't know about that, Pastor Wade. I don't know about going to prison for Jesus. (laughs) Um, If it came down to it, you would. In Jesus' name. Rewriting. There was one guy, he, he actually went to prison. He was a Puritan. He actually went to prison for the gospel and he pastored his church for seven years from prison. He was writing them letters. That was amazing to me. You know, he was just following Paul and him. He you know, was just like, hey, you know, I hear so and so going on. <laughs> Rebuke, repent. He you know? writing them from prison. And if it comes down to it, we're willing to do that. Amen. Amen. Um, Christ also dealt with physical death. Physical death. If Christ doesn't come, we're, we'll go that way. But death is the last enemy of Christ. And we know that he's waiting to have death under his feet eventually. And that's going to manifest in that, in that kingdom manifesting itself in the last days. So physical death is the offspring of, of sin. Yeah. And, and Jesus has what? the keys to death. So we don't have to ever fear death. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of people dying. Just know that, you know, if they're saved, we have hope. If they're not saved, God will comfort you in the midst of that. Also, and I realize this, that dealing with physical death, we, God purposely doesn't, God doesn't necessarily tell us if a person goes to heaven or not. And I think he designed it that way because it's none of our business. We don't know what a person did right before they repented. I mean, before they died, right before they died, they could have turned. The Spirit of God could have used all the Sunday school lessons, all the sermons, and all the witnessing, and right before they died, all the stuff is hitting them, and they remember, I call on the name of Jesus, and they call upon him, and they die, and they enter into the presence of God. So I've heard this said, that when you get to heaven, there'll be several things that you'll be surprised with. Number one, you'll be surprised that you're there. Number two, you'll be surprised of people you thought was going to be there, wasn't there. And then you'll be surprised of people you thought weren't going to be there, there. And so we never know. And God does that by design. He's sovereign. And we are not to try to tap into those things. And I wonder if so-and-so is is in heaven. It's, it's, you know, it's like saying, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. Um, Sin. Okay, let's talk about the offspring. Darkness. Darkness is also the offspring of sin darkness people are living in darkness have you noticed that they have darkness on them and one of the things that Jesus came to do is to to deliver us from the powers of darkness some Christians are walking around even though they've been delivered positionally they're still in darkness we're not to live in darkness we're to we're we're, we're to be the light you know, allow his light to shine. So Jesus came to deal with darkness, to get away, to deal, to confront darkness. Also, Jesus came, to another offspring of sin is ignorance, the lack of knowledge. My people perish for the lack of knowledge because they have rejected my knowledge. And so we're not to, um, ignorance is a, it's, it's, it's an offspring. And one of the things that we pray every Sunday, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. Why? Because there's darkness. We've been influenced. Our, our, the things that we think shape the way that we believe. That's right. And so the things that your parents believed and, and you observed by your parents, you adapted, mm-hmm. even though you try to resist those things. Yeah. Um, also, you borrow some things from some friends and some other philosophers and ideologies, books you read and, and television shows that you looked at and, and, and things that you, songs, things that you've placed inside of you. Are, and and they've been influenced by darkness. Oh Ideas that are not, that didn't originate from the word of God, but originated from <laughs> the, the belly of hell or, uh, or the, or the, uh, or the uh, seed of darkness. It's just, and, and we allow these things to affect us. So ignorance is not a blessing. Ignorance is is a curse to not know what God has done for us in Christ. Also defeat. Defeat is the offspring of of sin. To have a defeated life. Um, You talk to some people and everything is bad. You know, you, and they compete with you. I'm saying, oh, you're sick. I'm, oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I'm about to die. Oh, you got two days. I got a minute to live. You know, I mean, they. I know people of Y'all know some people like that. They compete with you as it, as it relates to defeat. Oh, you losing your house? I'm losing three houses. Oh, man. You know, oh, oh, you know, you, you in the hospital for a year? Oh, I was in the hospital five years. Yeah, child of God, God yeah, I'm on the devil, you know. You know, it's just like people have that mentality and they comp- try to compete with you. You know, you're just trying to share, like, can you please pray for me, I'm sick. Oh, you're sick? Oh, let me tell you, my back hurt, my head hurt, and uh, you know, I, I'm losing a toe. I mean, it's just like, man, like, really? Defeat or you can look at defeat as, as well as like just having a victim mentality you know always they have to they after me the man you know oh, the man the man they, they oh, at the job they after me Well, maybe if you arrive on time they won't be after you you know maybe if you do your job yeah. they they won't be after you Amen. you know and so 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 defeat just the victim mentality of just you know, I, I grew up in the South, and I know what it feels to have eyes on you as you go into the store, and, and, and you feel like you have to buy something. Even to this, this day, I have to resist the devil. Well, well, you know, I'm not going, you're not gonna make me buy something because I feel like you think I'm stealing. Let me show you that I got money to pay for this. Um, and and I, I know that mentality, but we have to resist racism. And we don't yield to that. We don't have that. Okay, they're racist. Okay, get over it. But God's favor is greater than racism. Right. And God can give you favor in the midst of racism. And I've seen it. I've seen it where they, some people forget who they're talking to. And, they, and you're like, do you realize I'm black? <laughs> you know, African American. And you just have to say, but you realize it's the favor of God. And so we're not ignorant concerning that racism is still in existence to this day. And not all cops are after you. Amen. The cops are, they, they are uh, blessings from God. They're ministers of the gospel according to Romans 13. And, and when, when I was, I remember coming home from Enterprise and I was falling asleep and a white cop pulled me over and I put my hands up on the wheel. and didn't move until he told me to do something. Okay, I'm just gonna go get it. See, God gives us wisdom, right? And then I got my information. He checked it. He says, Where were you coming from? I'm coming from work. It's two o'clock in the morning. Come from Enterprise. They only open until six. And I'm like, "Um, I work at the airport. Okay. Well, sir, you get get home safely. Thank you, Jesus. And then there was one time I had Elijah with me, and um, cops pulled us over and Elijah saved the day. He said, I like cops. I said, yes, Lord. Ashley has trained them well. <laughs> and the Lord gave, what's that? Oh, you know, he said, cops are my hero. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Out of the mouths of babes. Amen. So another offspring is, <laughs> it leads us to injustice. Injustice. And injustice and, and will be served one day. You know, whether now or later it's going to be served one day. And God has a way to repay you even on this earth and on this side. There's some people who've been done um, wrongfully and God will see to it that there's some kind of justice coming their way. And so don't, don't allow that to affect you. Dysfunction. We come from dysfunctional families. And yet that this is the offspring of sin. Um, Truth, when he was here, talked about God redeeming our relationships and socially. Amen. And so this sin has affected the way that we communicate. Christ came. I'm getting ahead of myself. But Christ came to restore the family union, unit, to put it back in order. The, 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 the man is the head and the wife um, submitting to the head and the children obeying the parents. And, and God came to restore that. Christ came to restore the order of things. And you and I can participate in that. We don't have to wait until we die to have order. We can have order now. Amen. Amen. And so um, one last thing that I'm going to mention. There are many offsprings of sin. This is not an exhaustive list. Um, There's so many. But I was on the bed thinking. I was sleepy. I was tired, taking a nap. And I was on the, on the bed thinking about Christ's death and his resurrection and his coming. And I, I said, Lord, you came for every aspect of our lives, from our mind, to our bodies, to our finances, to our relationships, to, I mean, just every area, not only just the one area of sin, spiritual death, but you actually dealt with the whole man. And, and that just blew my mind. Everything that Christ did took care of any problems that you'll ever face. And heaven, you know, what about ignorance? He gives us knowledge and wisdom. You know, he said in Proverbs that he stores up wisdom for the righteous, for the upright. So he has some wisdom for us. And out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so everything God, Christ did for us, we can receive it now. Unanswered prayer, we don't have, that's a, that's a result of, 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 of sin. Unanswered prayer, we have a right to have answered prayer. Amen. So, again, these are only a few, but Christ dealt with all of them. He is an example for every believer, but more so than an example, he is the substitute for every believer. His incarnation, sinless life, vicarious death, His glorious resurrection, his ascension, his session. What session? What do you mean? His sitting down at the right hand of the father, his Pentecost, him sending the spirit, his intercession, and his second coming are all saving events and acts for humanity. Everything that God does, he does it for a purpose. And so there, are no, there, there is no accidents with God. So let's look at Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. So that was the intro. Isaiah chapter 7. Let this Christmas be a very special Christmas. Sit down with your family and, and, and tell your kids about who Jesus is. Don't let them think that it's about the man in the red suit. <laughs> but that it, it's about... Price. Now we tell Destin. We, we, as far as our family is concerned, we, we, we tell Destin not that we don't believe in Santa Claus. Um, but we, we we don't we don't want to mess up anybody's little feelings. So we, we let's not talk about those things publicly. But if they ask you, your mom and dad buy them presents. <laughs> um, and you have, to, you have to settle in your heart what you're gonna do with your children. I'm not gonna tell you not to, but I know growing up, my, my mom has had several fights with my grandmother and her sisters, my aunts, over Santa Claus because they wanted me to believe that. And my mom told me from straight up, I, I bought them presents. I'm a single mom and I bought them presents. Santa Claus didn't get no glory here. <laughs> and, then, um, and then she kinda told Jacqueline, my sister, um, um, Jacqueline got, kind of just had this little thing of, it's Satan Claus, <laughs> So she went to school <laughs> telling the kids, it ain't no such thing as Santa Claus, it's Satan Claus, And all the kids start crying. <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're not gonna encourage that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we do need to be honest with our children. And, and you have to have a clear conscience. And it's not my right to pin on you, but you should tell the children the truth. It's a nice story. You know, and, we, and we, can, we can celebrate in the sense of, you know, it's nice. It's, take a little picture. Send it to family friends. But don't let that be the truth in your house. Y'all hear me? Okay. So that, that's the main thing. So you do what you got to do with it. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says this. Um, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, so here this is a sign that was to King Ahaz. Um, God was giving him a sign to let him know that he was going to win the battle. And so many theologians and and I I personally believe that that there is a dual um, application to this verse. This was a prophetic um, verse as it relates to Jesus, and it also was a sign for King Ahaz that God was with him and that, God, that he was gonna win the battle. And so we see that this scripture is fulfilled in Matthew chapter one, verse 22 through 23, talks about that Mary was gonna conceive um, the son of God inside of her, and how this is a fulfillment. As you read through the book of Matthew, you'll see uh, time and time again, and this is a fulfillment of this and this is a fulfillment of that because Matthew is trying to convince the Jews that Christ has come and been and has fulfilled the prophecies. So over and over and over and over again in the book of Matthew, you'll see. And this is a fulfillment of this and this is a fulfillment of that. He's letting you know. See, I told you so that Christ came. I told you that this is this and that. All right. Go to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, verses five, six to seven. Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So we see that Christ is this child and he is the son that was given by the father and the government of God's kingdom shall be upon Christ's shoulder. He rules and reigns and all power on heaven and earth shall has been given to him. I heard somebody recently say that God doesn't have any power or authority on the earth. And I said, this is error. I said, this is not true because Jesus said in Matthew 28, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And Jesus has the keys to life and death and the grave and hell. He, he rules it all. Amen. Even as Courtney says, people are declaring his lordship and not even knowing it. Christmas. They're talking about Christmas. Christ's mass. Celebrate Christ, the Christ. They recognize him as the savior. They're singing songs uh, of him. Don't even know they're affirming his lordship. Amen. Um, Christ came to give us the authority to walk in. He is a wonderful counselor. If you need some counseling, he's a wonderful counselor. Amen. Christ is a wonderful counselor. He'll get rid of some of your, your wacky ideals about life. He's the mighty God. Notice that he's the mighty God. Yes, he is. Uh, He's not a weak God. He's mighty God. Everlasting Father used to bother me. I said, Wait a minute. What about the Trinity? What do you mean, Everlasting Father? He's the one to display the Father. I love what Jesus says. I am the Father. I'm one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So He came to show the Father to us. Not that He is the Father. He's not the Father. Y'all know that. Um, He's the Prince of Peace. Uh, you think about the Prince of Peace, he, he gives us peace. He distributes peace to his children. He will provide counsel to you your, for your life. He will demonstrate his strength in your weaknesses and your confused state. He will unveil, unveil the Father to you. He will distribute peace to you. This is this Jesus that we're talking about. So Jesus was coming to the earth to save his people from their sins and to redeem us from the curse of the law <clears throat> bethlehem is not the whole story so if you get stuck in bethlehem you're in trouble <laughs> uh, we see through the gospels matthew mark luke and john we see that uh, uh, redemption is accomplished but redemption is not explained you cannot live on the gospels alone did you hear me you cannot live on matthew mark luke and john alone because they do not explain the application of that redemption and we see from romans to jude The application is explained, redemption applied. We see that into work, the everyday life of the believer. So Bethlehem is not the whole story, but the beginning of salvation for humanity. From the cradle to the throne, Jesus, um, Christ did did what no man could do in order to bring salvation to all those who will believe in him and on him. The incarnation is vital to his sinless life. Jesus had to come in this special way to redeem us. He, cannot ha- he could not have the sin uh, of, of, man- uh, of, of Adam in, his, in, in him. He had to have sinless blood in order to offer up sin, uh, offer himself up as a sacrifice. Christ came as God and man. And also he has two, two natures. Christ has two natures. Uh, He has a a, a divine nature and a human nature. So let's go to Titus, Titus chapter 2. I thank God I feel so much better. Thank you all for those who were agreeing with me for my healing. I feel so much better. I feel like a hundred right now. Just just God is so good. One time I, I just, I was, Feeling really, really sick, and I thought I was gonna die. I started writing my obituary. <laughs> I said, like, Lord, I need to write that anyway. But it's just like, man, oh God, I just, oh. But guess what? I never, I just clung to the promises of God as being a healer. And of course, I, I, Courtney had the natural remedy, and I did that, and, and I'm speaking the word. And I, I mean, she'll tell you in the middle of the night, I was speaking the word. I'll live and I die, declare the work to the Lord. You know, coughing up. I live and I die, declare the work to the Lord. I curse this cough in Jesus' name. (laughs) It just seemed like it got worse. I'm like, oh God, I thank you for healing me. I praise you. And I just just hung. And I'm telling you, you ever get in a state like that, just cling to the promises, meditate on it. Don't let it go. I'm not letting it go. If I die like this, I'm going to die in faith. I'm dying clinging to the promises. But I know his word is true. And I'm telling you, I just I hung on to it and I said it a hundred times. And, and somebody at work says, Oh, you are um, you, you know, I know you taking a lot of medicine. I said, I sure am. First Peter 2, 24, Galatians 3.13, Matthew 8.17, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Isaiah 53. <sighs> And he was like, oh, you're sick. You're horrible. You're like horrible. I said, I am healed. I believe I am healed, according to 1 Peter 2.24. And, and And I was in a classroom this week, and students were like, You got us sick. I said, The devil is a liar. I opened the classroom. I said, Every sickness must leave this room right now. I opened the door. I said, Get out in Jesus' name. They all looked at me like, What did you just do? <laughs> Amen. Okay. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm getting just bolder with, with promises of God and meditating it. And, and when you just have this, and that's all you have, I mean, you, you'll say, well, it, it either works or it doesn't. And I'm telling you, I've seen, I've progressively gotten better and better each and every day. God is faithful faithfulness of God. So this scripture says, verse 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Let's just stop there. (coughs) This salvation, God, Jesus is God's grace. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus is God's grace. Christ came to bring total salvation for all people. Total, I'm, I'm saying, I'm talking about salvation starts by getting saved, but it's just the beginning. There are some other reasons why Christ came. He wants to restore us to wholeness. He restores us. He, you know, you know the scripture Psalm 23. Um, he restores my soul. He wants to restore your mind, your heart, your physical body. He, he, he has a way of restoring. So the grace of God has appeared through Christ, bringing salvation to all people. We ought to thank God for salvation, amen? We are not without. We have total salvation. Fullness of salvation. <coughs> Greek says, uh, Hebrew says, um, shalom. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Everything complete. And we know from Colossians one that we are complete in Him. Amen. You're complete in Him. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with some low self-esteem, just say, "I am complete in Christ. Right. Nothing completes me but Christ, and He has completed me. That's right. Nothing missing and nothing broken." I can do what God has called me to do. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yes. So I am his workmanship. Yes, I am. I, he not only loves me, but he likes me. Mm-hmm. He delights in me. And that's what you got to think. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to say. And that's what you, when you're facing against uh, the enemies of this world, he says, no, I, salvation has come to me. I am saved and I'm a child of God. Don't ever doubt that you're a child of God if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. There should be no doubt about that. Just firm, I am a child of God. When you sin and mess up, you confess, I'm a child of God. I thank you, I receive the forgiveness that is in Christ. Do you understand that we don't have to linger in the unforgiveness? We don't have to worry about, oh God, I, I committed a sin uh, five years ago and the Lord is still after me to punish me. You know, some people actually believe that, that God is trying to punish them for all their sins. If that's the case, we, we're done. <laughs> Thank God for Jesus. So this salvation, this grace has appeared to all, bringing us salvation, completeness. Verse 2, 12 says this, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, To live self-control and upright and godly lives in this present world or this present age. So Christ came to train us. You're to be trained to repent. You're to be trained to renounce sin. We are to renounce sin. I renounce sin in Jesus' name. I divorce sin in Jesus' name. I I turn my back on it and I hate it because God hates it. Amen. And that's, that's the attitude. So Christ came to train us to um, renounce sin and ungodliness, any ungodliness, anything that is against God, anything that is contrary to God, we renounce it. We are not to accept homosexuality as being the norm, no matter what the society says. Yes, be compassionate, but don't compromise. We don't accept this, this is not of God. This is, this is a sin, this is a curse. There's a message I have called the curse of homosexuality, it's a curse to like the same sex it's a curse we got to think about that you're you're setting yourself up to fail failure all right Christ trained us to renounce this and empower us Christ has empowered us to live a holy life before the father in this world (coughs) Christ wants to invade our lives for his glory As a believer, you should be examining your heart and repenting of any sins that you presently have and you need to be pursuing holiness. I said I mentioned this last week about um, I was reading um, a book about prosperity and it made me examine contentment. Are you content? Are you are you are you not satisfied with Jesus right now? Uh, Are you just after his hand and not his heart? So you, you need to examine your own heart, idolatry. You can, you can desire. even though God has provided healing for us, you can seek the healing and not the healer. And so therefore the healing becomes idolatry. You can seek the provision and not the provider. You can seek the creation and not the creator. That's idolatry. And we need to examine those things. It says, no, I'm not gonna idolize those things. I seek God as long, there's a king, <coughs> In the Old Testament, <clears throat> the Bible says, as long as you sought the Lord, the Lord calls him to prosper. So as long as you seek the Lord, he'll cause you to prosper. So don't, don't, don't shortchange yourself. You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about, confess, um, about um, speaking to the mountain. But that is only in relation to a holy life. You can't say, I'm going to do, I have what I say and I can speak to things. In your life, you don't have a godly lifestyle. You gotta pursue holiness, pursue holiness. You gotta gotta desire God. So this scripture tells us that Christ training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What's a worldly passion? A passion that is greater than the will of God. You desire something that is not consistent with his will. To live self-control. How many know God has called us to be self control. That's one of the fruit of the spirit. Temperance, self-control. Can you, do you have emotional intelligence? That's self-control. You're able to manage your emotions. Somebody does something and you don't You know, you're controlling your mouth. I'm not gonna cuss. I'm gonna bless. Right? Um, as Christians, we're not to use profanity. I'm not gonna look at anybody. <laughs> we're not to use profanity. Cussing saints, stop cussing. Stop cussing. I'm telling you, God wants to clean your mouth up. Don't cuss. Don't use profanity. There's never a need to use profanity. Don't yield to your flesh. Says, nah, I'm not going to cuss. I'm going to speak the blessings of God. No matter how I feel, self-control, controlling your appetite. I'm talking to myself controlling what you eat, what goes into your mouth. I resist this last piece of pie. I resist you in Jesus' name. (laughs) Like, Lord, the Lord is good. (laughs) And don't use the scriptures for your advantage. Uh, You know, the Lord has given us, he prepared a table before my enemies. (laughs) I resist that in Jesus' name. Um, So, this is okay laugh. And have fun. It's this, this Christmas holiday, it's okay to enjoy food, but you resist not indulging yourself. Because if you're in undisciplined in one area, it affects other areas. And so we're to have some self-control. Control yourself. Lead yourself before you try to lead others. Okay, verse, 20, verse 13 says this. It says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing Of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice um, Paul is telling Titus that Jesus is God. He's the Savior. And that we're waiting for that. This is our blessed hope. This is what we're waiting for, the return of Christ. As believers, we can't wait for him to come back. I mean, he's coming back and we're, hey, God, I'm here. That's what we're anticipating, his second coming. We look forward to that and we rejoice at his appearance. We're gonna dance, we're gonna shout, we're gonna scream, we're gonna speak in tongues, we're gonna do all of it <laughs> at his return. It's not gonna be like, oh, he's here. You know, oh, the presence of God. No, we're like, ah! We're gonna like, holy, you're holy God. I mean, just imagine, imagine that. And then he said he's gonna wipe away our tears. Ah, all the sorrows that we've ever had. See, sometimes we I preach faith, People think that we are preaching an easy life. That's not what we're talking about. We're giving you tools or principles from the word to overcome, to be an overcomer. We're saying it's God's will for you to overcome. We never say that it's God's, that you'll never be tempted to yield, to defeat, to be down and out. We all have down and out days or temptations to have down and out, but you can resist those things. Amen? So when we talk about obtaining the promises of God we're talking about walking this out Christ has come to us all and we're going to have trials and tribulations and persecutions. but we we stand on God's word and it's just an opportunity to believe God so here our salvation will be complete when Jesus returns completed salvation new bodies just a new way of life we will have We've been delivered from our sin, nature, and our flesh. My last verse is this, verse 14. It says that Christ, who gave himself for us, so Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions who are zealous for good works. Notice that Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to set us apart for the glory of God so that we can do some good works. I'm going to give you 11 reasons why Christ came. Here we go, 11 reasons why Christ came. It says, Christ came to save sinners. First Peter, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter one, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter one, verse 15 says this. It said this is, this, the saying is trustworthy and deser- des- deserving of all full acceptance. That Christ came, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So first thing, Christ came to save sinners. He said in Mark that he came to seek and save that which is lost. What was lost? Lost fellowship with God. He came to restore that fellowship with the Father. He came to save sinners. Number two, he came to bring light to a dark world. Let's take a look at that. John chapter 12, verse 46. John chapter 12, verse 46. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Christ came to give us light. He came to bring light into the world. This world is dark. There's darkness all around it. And sometimes you can look at people, you can see darkness on them. And we are to bring the life, which is the word of God to them. Christ came to destroy the works, excuse me, Christ came to destroy the devil and his works. The devil and his works. Go over to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. This is a precious promise. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So he came to destroy the works of the devil. Let's go look at also First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Um, verse 8. First John chapter three, verse eight says this. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy what? The works of the devil. So any works of the devil in our lives, Jesus came to destroy those works. Sickness, disease, poverty, ignorance, depression. He came to destroy those things in our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want no works of the devil in my life. I, I, I don't want the enemy. See, the enemy has a way of setting up strongholds in our lives, in our minds. And, and we have ways of thinking that needs to be destroyed. And so Jesus came to destroy the way, those thinking, those ungodly thoughts, and, 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 and those works that, you know, you see people working their what we call manipulation or roots or, working some stuff. That stuff has to be destroyed through Jesus. Next one is to give eternal life. Jesus came to give us eternal life. He also came to give his life as a ransom for many, as a ransom for many. Yes. That was five. The first one is to save sinners. The second is to bring light to a dark world is to destroy the work, destroy the devil in his works, to give eternal life and then to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark 10, verse 45. Also, he came to, to die. I think some people forget that he came to die. He didn't come to just set up life on this earth, but he came to die. He said, for this reason, I came into the world. Christ was born with a death sentence over his manger. He died with that over him. I can't, you come coming for one reason. Well, many reasons, there's many effects to that reason, but the main reason is to die for the sins of my people. For this reason, John chapter 12, verse 27, for this reason, I came into the world. You know, and you have to keep that in mind. He came for to, to, to be our substitute, to receive the wrath of God, to obtain, to 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 give us eternal life, to be separated from the Father so that we can be accepted by him. Next one is to testify to the truth. John chapter 18, verse 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. He's to testify to the truth. He, he came to let us know the truth. You know from John chapter 14, to verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Notice, he didn't say, I am a way, but I'm the truth. I'm the way, and I'm the life. So you're not living until you met the master. You, you, you're, you're just existing, you're walking, you're part of the walking dead. When you get saved, Jesus comes and he brings his life into you. He that has the son has life, and he that does not have the son does not have life. Uh, and, and a person who's not saved, they're not child, children of God. They're children of the devil, according to Galatians. They're children of the devil. I mean, I know that that's hard saying, but it's the truth. They, are, they belong to their, de- their father, who is Satan. Satan is ruling them. Satan is telling them what they can and cannot do. He, he's controlling them. He's their master. And how does he control them? Through their sin nature. Sin is reigning over them. So therefore he is controlling them through sin. And God reigns over us through righteousness, through truth of his word. And the more you get your mind renewed, the more he's going to reign in your life. Oh, that's good. I never heard nobody say that. And I said ain't. I said, God reigns over us through righteousness and through a renewed mind. And as we get the mind of God, get the word of God in us, He's able to reign and rule and and, and his authority in our lives. So the more words you get and the more word you obey, the more he rules in your life. Did you hear me? He rules in your life as you renew your mind, as you obey the scriptures. Sometimes, well, God, if you're in control, well, he, he's only in control in the sense of ruling and his authority and his kingdom in your life as you yield it to him. If you're not yielding to him, he's not, well, I mean, for example, he can't make you love your enemies. But when you yield to him, the love of God will be shed abroad in your hearts and you'll want to love your enemies. Y'all see the picture, right? So, so when we say God is in control, does that mean that he tells you everything you do? No, because you have a choice. You can choose to obey him or you can choose to not obey him. All right. Um, I know y'all, y'all didn't need that, but I just need to explain that. John chapter 18, verse 37, because again, there is a perverted view of the sovereignty of God, the rule of God. They, oh, God is in control. And it's like, it, it, it's almost in a sense of there's a, it's an excuse to be lazy and not do anything. Whatever it be, will be. And God is not like that. As you, he tells people what to do specifically. Do this, and I'll do that. You do that, and I'll do that. Do that, I mean, if you don't do that, you won't get, you know. Um, you, how do you ask, how do you get prayer ask in faith? Don't doubt. You need wisdom, ask in faith. If you ask wavering, you won't get anything. He tells us. John chapter 18, verse 37, this is him testifying of the truth. It says this, verse 37, it says, I, for this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world to bear or testify or witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus came for this purpose to tell us the truth. Oh, that's good news, folks. We have truth this morning. Uh, Jesus is the the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Father can only speak the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. So God is the only true thing in this world. Oh, that's good news. He's the only true thing in this this wrong world. He's the only right thing in this wrong world. All right, let's go to uh, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy this life. I want that more abundant life. Amen. Amen. How many know we can grow in that and we can walk in that on a higher level? Having your family in order is abundant life. Having your finances in order is abundant life. Having your body in order is abundant life. Having wisdom is an abundant life. So I, I want the abundant life. Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly, more abundantly, more than enough. You know, God will fill your cup to overflowing. Psalm 23. He will fill it to overflowing. Why does he want you feel like that's a waste, but it's not to him. He'll give you more than enough so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Galatians 3.13, the next one is to redeem us from the curse of the law. I'm going to do a teaching on this soon (coughs) about the threefold curse, the threefold curse, um, spiritual death, poverty, and sickness and disease. Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. Now, I'm no longer under a curse. When I mean, Courtney was talking about a young lady um, recently, we were trying to encourage her, and she was like, I'm just cursed. And we're like, no, you're not cursed. If you're saved, you're not cursed. You've been redeemed. I'm cursed. You didn't talk to me about the curses. I said, no, you're not cursed. You, you've been redeemed. And some people, wanna, they want to stay in their curses. They want to, uh, uh, there's a generational curse. I, I, I don't understand this business with generational curses. Talk about the generational blessings. Because I'm a son of Abraham, I have generational blessings. This faith has been passed along to me. Sometimes it's an excuse to not do the word of God. Christ came to meet all of our needs. Let's go over there. Philippians 4.19. I mean, I thank God for the most important thing is my salvation of redeeming from sin, lawlessness, and, and, and saving us from a burning hell and s- eternal separation. But on top of that, he met our physical needs. Philippians 4.19, I want you to see this with your eyes. I quote this often, but it says, And my God will supply every need of yours <coughs> according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need is met, every need is met, you have to believe that, last scripture with that is 2nd Corinthians chapter 8, 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, <coughs> for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Go when you got to say amen. I want you to see this for your own self. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. And this this whole chapter is dealing with giving. Okay, so so don't try to twist this and make it a spiritual application. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that by his poverty, by his poverty might become rich. Christ has met your needs, every last one of your needs, to the to the effect you can have more than enough. And being rich is having a full supply. It's not necessarily being a millionaire, but it's been having more than you need. All right. Man, that's good news. Oh, that's good news. Um, the next one is to restore order to the family, to restore order to the family, and my last one is to heal our bodies." Matthew 8:17. Let's go over there. Matthew chapter eight, verse 17. <coughs> it says, "And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our what? And bore our man. If he took him, why do I have to deal with them? He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. Glory to God. I don't have to be sick no more. I can resist sickness. Here's the application. Three applications. One right here. One is understand the saving acts or events of Christ. Understand them. There's nine of them, we mentioned that earlier. Understand the saving acts or events of Christ. Number two, walk in everything God has given us in Christ. Walk in it, live it, every day, every day walk in it. And last but not least, share the good news to all, to everyone who listens, share. I made up my mind, not to argue with people anymore. If they, they wanna fight and fuss over scripture, I don't have time. Now, I'll, you know, I will present the gospel to somebody who's looking for the truth and, and they have many questions, that's one thing. But to debate and to argue over the word of God, I don't believe that, well, just don't believe it. Stay where you are and don't believe it. I have some friends who, who don't believe in tongues and don't believe in healing and don't believe in prosperity, don't believe in, um, Casting out devils, don't believe in any of those things. And I said to myself, they are robbing, them. God, the enemy is robbing them of the greater blessings. Doesn't mean that they're not saved, doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. It's just that they're not partaking of that abundant life. And when I realized that, I said, I, back in the old time, I would sit down for hours and argue with somebody. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I did that in junior high school. Before you were saved, before you were even born, I was doing that. <laughs> arguing with somebody. I'd be at the lunch table arguing and just get me all upset and ready to fight and, and you know, arguing <laughs> over the law, whether or not we can have meat. I said, well, don't eat meat then. <laughs> Give me that piece of meat. You know, I mean, just, it, I mean, we, I would argue. With, and then I, have a, I had a Jehovah's Witness friend. He was one of my best friends. And we argued over Jesus being God. I said, Jesus is God. And there's nothing you can say, nothing you can do to change that. He was created, he was Michael's, the archangel's brother, and Lucifer, I said, the devil is a liar, so are you. You've been deceived, young man. What do you, what do you mean, no, 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 no. I said, Charles Russell started your religion. And, and he was a teenager, he took my Bible, our Bible, the Christian Bible, the New, New, um, King James Version, and went up in the mountain and began to write holy scriptures according to his revelation. I said, and I just, I'm sorry, I just went in. And, and I argued and argued and argued, and it didn't do anything. and It didn't profit anything. It just got me upset. I was ready to fight the dude, more so than witness to him. <laughs> like, let's fight, let's go outside. <laughs> but you, you don't argue with people. You know, you love them, and if they want to sit down and have a healthy discussion from scriptures, we can do that, but we're not gonna argue with them. If, you want to, if they want to live a certain way, God bless them, keep on moving. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time as we looked at why Christ came. Help us to celebrate and walk in what Christ has done for us. We're so grateful for salvation, full, total salvation. We can have peace in our home because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can have peace in our minds. We can have healing in our bodies, provision in our finances. We can have wisdom for every situation that we face. I thank you that we win, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. He defeated death so that we can have victory. For this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith in the Lord Jesus. I thank you that we are in the world, but not of it. We don't operate according to the systems of this world. We are free to serve you and pursue holiness and righteousness, may we be a light to the world, in Jesus name, amen.